for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Have you introduced yourself and tell everybody who you are, where you're from, uh, what the name of the band is, all the fun stuff? Cool. Um, I'm Sarah Bernardo. I live in Sydney, Australia, and I play in a band called Dirty Spells. We are a pop rock type band, but we're currently working on our sound right now. Be a little more new age, dream pop kind of vibe. So exciting times over here. (laughs) And uh, you're, I was reading you're originally from Canada, correct? Yeah. Uh, I'm originally from a city called Kitchener, Waterloo. Okay. But you remember the Blackberry phone, it's where they were made. So, been in Australia for three and a half years now. And what brought you to uh, Australia? I originally came over here to um, live with one of my best friends from high school. She came over here on a working holiday visa and, um, I decided to come visit her and then just met a guy, ended up staying and um, studied music performance for a year and um, electronic music production for another year. And um, yeah, so I've been here for three and a half years now. <laughs> is the uh, plan to stay in Australia or? Yes, definitely. Australia is home now. Um, currently in the process of the de facto partner visa. So Australia will be a permanent location for quite a while. Um, So what got you into music? I don't know. I'd always just kind of been doing music since I was a young, like a young girl. I was always in choirs and musical theater type things. Um, And then my dad bought me a guitar in grade six. Never really touched that until around grade eight. I started learning chords. And um, then I started writing songs, grade nine, was doing a couple of just solo original gigs and was in a couple of bands and a duo with my sister that kind of formed into another band. Um, I just kind of left everything in Canada and came over here and I love the idea of being in a band. Solo stuff is great, but it gets a little lonely. Understood, understood. Yeah. Um, um, what w- what prompted you to pick up or pick up the guitar in eighth grade, even though you'd had it for a couple of years already? I had to do a assignment for school about a musical instrument. Oh. So yeah, I uh, studied all about the guitar and had to do a presentation. So I remember playing some, I don't even remember. It was probably like the easiest song to play on the guitar. And then I taught my whole class how to tune a guitar properly in each part of it. And then it kind of just sparked my interest into playing it more. And it just kind of went from there. Once I started writing songs, it was an end game for me in that instrument. (sighs) Have you picked up any other instruments since you've started playing or? Yes, I play um, piano. I wouldn't say that I'm a professional piano player, but I can get by. 
Um, and then I also play bass. So I actually play bass in Dirty Spells. Um, and then I also play bass in a band called Southbound. So we're a country rock all girls um, group, which is pretty exciting as well. That's new in the books. Cool. Um, so I, we'll go with you as a solo act or as a as a single musician, what's kind of your creative process when you're sitting down to like write music and getting, what's your creative process? I have a really hard time actually sitting down to write um, just because I really like to write from inspiration. So at the most random times I could be on my way to the train or walking to the gym and I'll get a little hook or an idea in my head and I'll just do a little phone recording into my voice memos. And then I'll have to go back and work on it later, which is why I love um, doing the music production side of things. I work with Ableton Live. Okay. So I'm able to translate my ideas further than just an acoustic guitar riff or something. So I can kind of produce a bigger picture that I can then take to the rest of my band to sort out the song. And then when it comes to like the band itself, and creating new music is it like a very collaborative effort or is it just you doing a lot of it like what's what's that dynamic like in terms of the melody and writing to this stage i've done a lot of it our guitarist alex um he's written a few of the songs that we play live and um our other guitarist shu he um is also very collaborative in the instrumentation um, I know with myself, I have a really good mind for writing melodies and lyrics and hooky um, phrases, but I can't play drums. <laughs> I can do your basic white stripes feet. Um, I really trust Evan. He is such a powerhouse on the drums to give me a, a good beat. <laughs> Um, and I, I trust the other boys to fill in the songs that I write with extra things that my mind just doesn't wrap itself around. Gotcha. Um, and then how long's the band, uh, band Dirty Spells been together? We've been together, the four of us right now, almost a year. Okay. Um, we had had two guitarists before um, our last joining member shoe and we were kind of working on my stuff because I had released a solo EP um, but when we really started nailing down what we're doing now and playing shows it's been a just under a year okay and then um, like I guess what how did the band come together like the original formation of the band come together so I had just come back to Sydney after my first working holiday visa. I came back to Sydney on my student visa and um, I was looking for people to jam with and friends in general. So there's this group called Sydney Musicians Network. I saw one guy post about collaborating with a vocalist for an electronic project. That so happened to be my guitarist, Alex. Um, so I was chatting with him. We kind of got together, had a little jam session, um, wrote this song and worked together a couple other times. And at the same time, I was also chatting to this other guy that had posted about starting a band, kind of paramour, pop punk style, which I also was really interested. So I was like to Alex, do you want to come to this jam session with 
this guy, he's a drummer and he's got his other mate who's a guitarist um, and see if it's something that we vibe with. And that kind of just all came together in one go and we've been day one since. <laughs> Perfect, that's awesome. Um, and so for people that have never seen you play live, what's kind of the show, what's the feel of the show? What can people expect if they ever see you play live? Um, we are very energetic. <laughs> For me, I, uh, being on the bass and being on the vocals, it's kind of a little harder for me to move around, but those seconds that I get to step off the mic, I'm just all over the stage. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cool show, really. Like, Josh gets into the audience, um, and yeah, we're constantly developing our stage presence and whatnot, but I would say that we're pretty fun to watch. Um, and as far as you, as a solo musician again, where, where do you, or how is the um, music scene different from Canada to Sydney, Australia, from where you first started playing music to now? How are the, how's the music scenes? How are they different, I guess? Is well, I think especially being from, like Kitchener, Waterloo is in a small, small city, but it's not like being in Toronto or New York where there's so many venues, like there's endless kind of opportunities to fill. Mm -hmm. um, Sydney is very much the same. I know we struggled a bit with finding venues um, and we've lost a couple of great venues due to the lockout laws, laws that just got lifted um, about a month ago. Mm -hmm. um, so now we're trying to find our place back into the late night entertainment industry. Um, but I've never really completely struggled with it. Um, and I'm always happy to do a 9 p.m. show rather than a 1 a.m. show. Yeah. I very much value my sleep. <laughs> yeah, I understood. Um, and how's your how from when you first started to now? How is your musical, or how's your music changed? Just you as a single person. Ooh, a lot. <laughs> I think I still, in terms of like what I write about, I'm always very triggered in my writing by people who disappoint me. Mm -hmm. A lot of my songs are about being burnt and whatnot. I write the easiest when I'm upset about something. Um, I started off writing very acoustic vibe, singer-songwriter acoustic style. Um, but I've always really loved the kind of heavy scene. Mm -hmm. I going to like metal shows um, when I was younger, and I've always wanted to be in a really cool, like energetic, fun band that people want to go and like mosh to. Um, so I think we've kind of formed into this old day Paramore sound, which we're now trying to develop into more of a modern day mix of Bring Me the Horizon's new um, album, Ammo, a little bit of um, like Charlie XCX with your Glitter Dream Pop. Um, and like Halsey-ish kind of vibes. So 
I, it's interesting because I do write quite different music. Like the solo EP that I put out, every song on it's pretty different. Mm -hmm. There's a country song on there. There's a cute Colby Clay kind of mm -hmm. um, cute song. Um, and then there's the Paramore pop rock mm -hmm. bangers on there as well. So I'm a little all over the place, but we're definitely trying to incorporate more of the electronic elements in our new stuff that we're currently recording for our next EP. Gotcha. Um, how do you, having your solo work plus the two bands, how do you kind of balance all three of those? As so my solo, um, my solo is kind of my income. Mm -hmm. So with the band gigs, we'll book a lot of that stuff well in advance. Mm -hmm. And then with my solo stuff, I'll book that a month or two in advance. So we're pretty open. We've got our like Google drive with our calendars, what we can book, what we can't book. Um, if people have commitments or are going away. Um, so it's just talking to each other. Nothing really gets overlapped. And if there is an opportunity that say I have a solo show, but we've got a really great gig opportunity for, that's going to benefit us, then mm -hmm. I'm always happy to chop and change where, where needed. Gotcha. That's cool. It's always good when you have a nice balance uh, and you have people that are willing to work because, you know, I see a lot of bands like the lead singer has their solo career and then that starts to get in the way of the band. And then there's like a little bitterness or rivalry. So it's always good to hear when they're both parties are in it together and they're willing to work with each other. So it's. Yeah. We're like a group of best friends too. So I, I talk to the boys more than I talk to kind of anyone other than my partner. Mm -hmm. um, so we're always up in each other's business and know what's going on. There's no uh, miscommunications there. <laughs> That's good. Um, where are you at in the, uh, writing slash recording process are you writing or are you recording do you have it like as far as like releasing new albums or work where are you at currently in that phase so we went in a couple weeks ago on australia day actually and um we had a couple we had about five songs that we were looking to record went into our producer um our producer studio and kind of did these little demos of all these tracks live off the floor and then listened back to them and decided that they're good songs, but they're not good enough to put out there. Mm -hmm. um, so we've gone back into the writing process. So last night, actually, me and um, Shu, our one guitarist, we had a writing session, mm -hmm. put down three new songs. We're going to the studio again on Sunday to record about four new song ideas okay. and see where we go from there but ideally on our next EP which should be released um, we're hoping middle of the year like July August um, with a one or two singles out in about May June time mm -hmm. um, so we're definitely getting there okay um, cool. yeah we just like to be organized. <laughs> yeah, understood, understood. Now, do you usually write for the album or do you just, I mean, because I'm getting kind of both vibes from what you just mentioned. 
do you specifically write for the album or do you just write songs until you feel like you have a bunch of songs that are good enough or that are compatible to make an album? Like what's that process? I think it would definitely be the second option there. Um, the record that we're going to put out definitely won't have any storyline behind it. It's not like, you know, um, uh, it's not a concept album. Mm-hmm. It's written about something or like it's got a story from front to end. I would definitely love to do that at some point in my life. Um, just don't think I've found the inspiration big enough to write enough songs about one thing. <laughs> yeah. Understood. Um, what's the independent scene like in Sydney for people that have never been there? Um, there's a lot of bands. <laughs> uh, there is, it's, it's good. Um, but I think especially being in a Sydney, it's really hard to find people who want to go see original live music. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to find venues that are looking to hire bands with original live music. I think that's a pretty common occurrence across the board because you, you see that in a lot of cities in the u.s and it's just a lot easier to sell the cover bands and it like people will show up because show up and start having a good time because people are playing songs that they know so like it just makes it hard and and it's really quite a shame mm -hmm. um especially like we've got uh triple j unearthed um in australia which is Triple J is essentially a radio station here um, and they've got the unearth which is all the independent um, up-and-coming artists you can post your track on there whether it's fully produced or mm-hmm. just an acoustic and um, it's a platform for people to listen to new music and to be exposed to a more open audience than just here's my SoundCloud link yeah. Um, but yeah it's People are interested in new music. They're just not interested in investing in it. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. So how how do you do you guys do cover songs to try and appeal to that type of an audience? Or like how do you We have um our the majority of our set is originals. Okay. We do a killer cover of um britney spears toxic okay um yeah it's pretty hard-hitting version uh we really enjoy playing that but we've just introduced uh panic at the disco all right since not tragedies and it's fun it's fun especially being a band you step on stage you know like four of your friends in the audience kind of thing who know your songs and are going to sing along regardless but the other like 50 100 people that are there you know that second that you play that cover song, people are gonna be like, "That's cool. I like this band." Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's the little things that you have to do to interest outside opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was listening to this video today, 
um, this guy, he was basically saying it's, it's a line as to how to be successful as your band. You've got your um, kind of cold mm-hmm. audience. You've got your interested, intrigued audience. And then you've got your like core fan base. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your super fanatics kind yeah. of thing. Um, so you walk into a room where nobody knows you and you're automatically sitting at cold. And right away at the beginning of our shows, um, within the first song or two, I, you know, people are all standing at the back of the room mm-hmm. and I get people right to the front because, you know, you're at a live music show, like, let's make it cool. Let's have a good time. Nobody wants to be like, I spent my Saturday night leaning against the wall watching this band that I don't know. Yeah. Um, they want to be like, oh, I saw the sick band on the weekend at this bar. And that's like what people want the buzz about too. And that's what live music should be about. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so just those cover songs in your set, they may not remember your set, but you played that one song that they know, that they like. Now they're going in and looking up Dirty Spells yeah. on Facebook yeah. or Spotify, and they're listening to your stuff, and now you've got a new intrigue. Yeah, exactly, because like you had said, they because you played that one song that was so – and that's the – good thing about cover songs is you could put your own twist on them and kind of make them yours but making it by making it yours they there's still that familiar familiarity with that fans draw to it and so it you guys have that connection and then like you'd mentioned they start enjoying themselves they may not remember your set but they'll remember your name because you played that cover that they like and then they used to go check you out and all that fun stuff. So definitely agree with you there. Um, what's the touring scene like in uh, just in Australia as a general? Do you guys tour out often or? Since we're still pretty new into the, I guess, the music scene here, the boys all work full-time jobs. So weekdays are obviously hard to be like, oh, I'm just going to go to Brisbane and (laughs) play a Wednesday show or like, um, and the thing with Australia, it's, you can go and like go kind of town to town. Um, You're going to be playing a lot of smaller, not as attended shows. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can drive miles and miles and miles and miles between the big cities. Yeah like a good drive to Brisbane, I think it's about like 12 to 15 hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah. so. um, I think that's one, I think that's one thing people don't realize is how spread out all the big cities are. Which is why it's really hard for a lot of big acts as well to come and tour in Australia because Mm -hmm. it is so expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one thing to come and, tour one city yeah but it's not like you're driving in the states you're driving from state to state and playing yeah. in every state it's like you're driving from state, to state but it's not an hour to four drive it's yeah. like a yeah, it's almost like a half cross half cross country trip you know you're so yeah and i don't think people realize how big australia is either and within that there's only so many big yeah cities yeah 
because you got Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, and Perth Adelaide. and Adelaide. Darwin, which is way up there. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. How um do you would is it viable to fly? Because I've heard talked to some independent musicians in Australia and they said sometimes they'll fly, but I didn't, you know. It, what's good for one band isn't necessarily good for another band. What's your opinion on flying from? It all depends. Say if we booked a tour for November mm -hmm. to book our flights now, it would be ridiculously cheap. Mm -hmm. um, like some of the airlines, you can get a flight for 59, 60 bucks, like mm -hmm. um, there and back 120 bucks per person. It all depends on, what you know you're walking into. So if you book a tour and you say to the tour promoter, look, we need a thousand dollars for this show because that's gonna cover this, 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 and this. Like, you know your expenses um, and you know your return and it's not so bad. But if you're mm -hmm. booking a tour to another state, all of your band is flying there and you're transporting your gear via air, it gets really pricey and it's not mm. worth it. You're losing out of pocket, I guess. Yeah, that's very I, true. Again, I haven't necessarily been there, so I um, I wouldn't know firsthand, to be honest with you, but what I would assume, I would be pretty, pretty upset Yeah. Um, to go play a room of 20 people in Melbourne for losing $1,000, you know? Yeah. yeah, no, I understand. It's um, Where's one place that you'd really like to play before you kind of call it a musical career? Do you have like a bucket list venue, city, state, country? Um, okay, in Sydney, my venue that I would love to play is the Enmore Theater. Okay. <laughs> I've seen like a couple of my favorite acts um, play there. Like I saw Anne Berlin there, Walk Off the Earth was there, um, Crooked Colors. They've all kind of played. It's, it's a, quite a big theater, but standing theater. Mm -hmm. um, so that would definitely be on my list here. But I think for me to call it a musical career would be getting, not necessarily even a venue, but getting a tour over in Canada. Okay. Um, just because I'd love to take what I've built here back home. <laughs> yeah. Um, do so you it's not just a Facebook, sorry. So it's not just like a, a Facebook um, yeah. image. It's like, oh my God, this is real life. And they're actually a cool band. <laughs> gotcha. That's, and now you still have family over in Canada? Yeah. All my family is back in Canada. I'm the only one in Australia. And so um, you you yeah. go back and forth often or i've visited i think about five times since i first come over here okay um which is pretty good considering yeah. considering what is it a 14 hour flight something like that Ooh, or like more more like the okay. first flight i flew to it's i went on christmas and new year's this year and i flew to dallas okay i think it was dallas and that was about 17 hours oh wow okay yeah, off. that was just the first flight, and then flying from there to Toronto was another four, five. Yeah. 
well, at that point, you've already been in the, you've already been flying for 17 hours, so it's another. Yeah, exactly. You just yeah. stop off at the airport bar and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so one of the things we like to do on the podcast and we're really trying to hammer home is we want to help younger musicians. Um, we're, we're trying to help cultivate the younger musicians, inspire them to get into music, stick with music. And, but we ult- ultimately want to make sure they're in it for the right reasons, because we don't want to, we want to be supportive, but we don't want to paint this brush of, Oh, anybody that picks up an instrument and, goes and tours is going to make millions of dollars we all know that's not always the real deal so we want to try and help be supportive but also be realistic so my question to you is what advice do you have for younger musicians that are just getting started i think the most important thing that i've learned over the years um is to not get so disappointed by what you consider failure. Um, Something like having a show, you invited out 20 of your friends and only six of them show up. Um, Something like somebody saying that they don't really like your music. You know, it's, it's those little things that eat you up and it takes a while to learn that not everyone's gonna like you, not everyone's gonna um show up and not everything's gonna be perfect uh, because you love the process mm-hmm. and you love the good things and you cherish those good things and they weigh outweigh the bad yeah what's the uh, best piece of advice you've ever received um something that really sticks with me is to support other musicians. I read this thing once, I'm I'm not sure if it was from a friend or a friend had reposted it, but it was like reasons that you're probably not doing well in music um, or like that your friends aren't coming to your shows kind of thing. And I was like, do you go to other people's shows? And I, I, I took that to heart because I went through a period where I was in school, I was working, I was playing gigs, I was doing soccer, I was going to the gym. I just had so many things on. I was bang, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not have time really mentally, mentally and physically to be at other people's things. Um, and you kind of see that lack of support um, because obviously you're not supporting other people. So now I've really taken that into consideration I, at any time that I can attend somebody's show, say if I've got a gig on from six to nine, but somebody's playing at 10, 1045 or 1030, instead of just being like, oh, I'm going to go home after my gig, I'll go and watch that person wherever I can fit them in, you know? Um, And I think, I I, I believe in karma in that way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You go, you see people, you become inspired by it people come and see you, they become inspired. And it's a whole circle of things. Um, and I think it really helps fuel you in what you want to be doing by surrounding yourself more. In what you want to be doing. Yeah. Does that make any sense at all? No, it makes perfect. It absolutely makes perfect sense. Um, what's one thing that 
you know now that you picked up through your career that you wish you would have known when you first got started? Probably what I answered to that first one that not everyone's going to like you get over it. You just kind of got to keep doing things for yourself because the people that matter are going to be riding with you. You don't have to worry about that one dickhead. That's like, boo, yeah. like, get out, you know, Yeah. you bring me nothing. So exhale those negative um, things that bring you down and inhale all the good stuff. Um, since you guys are kind of in the middle of recording, or you are in the middle of recording, what's one thing uh, musicians that are getting ready to go into the studio for the first time, what's one thing they should know before they, should, before they go in? Maybe I should be a little more clear. We do actually have three singles out on Spotify. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. No, since you guys are in the middle of recording some new music, what, what is something that younger musicians should know that are going into the studio for the first time? Be open to changing your songs. Mm. Be open to having outside opinions mm -hmm. um, and never marry the first idea. So when the, that's the thing, like we went in um, fully like, we're going to record this, 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 and this, this is going to be on the EP. However we want to change it is great. But now we've walked out and we're like, we had five songs. Now we've got one song. Mm. Um, yeah, because your first idea isn't always going to be your best one. And you don't recognize what more you can make if you just get nailed on this. Um, what else is important? Uh, to be there for the process of it all um, and learn. Mm -hmm. One thing that drives me nuts and why I decided to start um, learning music production is I didn't want to be in the studio not understanding what was going on. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to just show up and sing. I wanted to be able to communicate what I wanted in a track, how I wanted a track to sound, what effects I wanted. Um, just being aware of the process. Yeah. <laughs> um, you said earlier that you went into the studio, uh, was it last week? I believe you said, and that you came out with recordings of songs that ultimately you didn't want to release when you go in record, what are you looking for in a final product to deem it? releasable like what's that decision making like well with dirty spells we really just want to write fun hooky songs that aren't so mainstream pop like you know your generic bass and synth um we're kind of looking to explore that but with definitely more a darker edgy tone we still want the songs to be singable fun like and engage the audience. Um, where was I going with this? <laughs> Sorry, um, I lost myself. No, you're good. Um, well, com you compared to compared to the because you you said that you have three songs currently on Spotify. 
Yeah. Right. Um, what was the what was it about those songs that were you chose? What was the decision? What was it about them that made you decide? Okay, we want to release these. Those songs we did without a producer. Okay. These next songs we've introduced a producer. So somebody that has an outside opinion rather than just the band to be like, yeah, this song is good, but this can be changed in it. We're going to change this bass line. We're going to change this drum beat. Um, this could be better. These lyrics are kind of weak. We could change this. Um, or like the chorus isn't hooky enough. Somebody to change the way we think. Mm-hmm and ultimately make it a sellable product. Gotcha. Cool. That's the difference. <laughs> gotcha. Like, we like the songs that we put out, but they're mm. very much, a band went into a studio, it could have been recorded live off the floor, mm-hmm. and really well mixed gotcha. and mastered kind of thing. Gotcha. So would you say the reason you went in last time, recorded the, the amount of songs that you did, and came out with nothing you deemed good enough to release was it was it like a feeling out process with the producer that you guys are currently working with or yeah okay yeah which is it's it's good though because he's come from a super um professional strong background in high up industry and worked with amazing bands that have done really well mm-hmm. um so it's, it's an opinion that we value because obviously the work that he's done in the past has progressed. Yeah. Gotcha. So if what we've done to this point hasn't progressed, what do we need to do differently? So the next one does. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, let's talk about you a little bit outside of music. What do you do for fun? What, what keep, when you need to get away from the music, the industry, what do you do for fun? What, I like to surf. <laughs> I um, love to snowboard. I was playing soccer last year with a team around like the eastern suburbs of Sydney, but this year I'm just going to be too busy to commit to, you know, a practice and a game every week kind of thing. Um, I'm really into fitness. So I'm at the gym almost every day if I can kind of yeah. thing. I also work super like part-time at a gym as well. So that's very handy. Nice. Um, what else do I like to do? I love snacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I guess I'm very, I'm just like a very active person. I love to go on adventures and hikes and be by the ocean and whatnot. Gotcha. Um, how important, like, I think this is a lot of thing that musicians and people in general underestimate the importance of fitness for musicians. So how important is your fitness and your health to your music? How does it help improve your onstage performance, stuff of that nature? Well, at the end of the show, I'm always going to be ridiculously sweaty (laughs) with the mix of the lights and moving around, jumping around um, a packed room kind of thing. Yeah. But um, for me, fitness, like, my vocals, if I'm moving around and I'm out of breath, I'm not going to be able to sing as well mm-hmm. as if I'm conditioned, you know? Um, 
And I know myself, if I have photos taken of me on stage, if I'm not in tip top shape, I'm going to look at it and be like, we're not posting that one because I don't like how I look. And, um, cause you know, yeah. like you're on display, you're on stage, you want to look, you want to feel your best. Mm -hmm. And if you're feeling kind of blah, that comes out in your presence. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Um, what's one What's one fitness slash health tip you could give to musicians that every musician should be focusing on to help improve that you feel would help improve everyone's stage performance or stamina or like whether it's a stop drinking soda before a show or stop, don't put down that second ding dong, you know, whatever it is, what... I'm the worst advocate for this because I love my whiskey on stage and off stage and beers. Yeah. Um, but I think mentally, when I first started playing gigs, I used to get so nervous. I don't get nervous anymore. I think it's, it's more headspace, not necessarily, well, I guess mental health. Yeah. yeah. Finding a proper headspace and finding those, things that calm you down um, when you step on a stage, the things that make your stage presence you and being able to tune into that, um, finding out what works for you. Because mm -hmm. mental health is so important. It's one thing that I've really been or looking, not studying, but looking into a lot lately because I've over the last couple of years, a lot of musicians we've worked with, whether it was the musicians themselves or musicians they've worked with, and we've just kind of met through mutual friends, they've gone into a dark place and either committed suicide or OD'd on drugs because they're, they weren't in the right mental space or what have you. So I think that's something that I really that's another thing I really want to try and drive home is just how important mental health is because you never really know where somebody's at because every night they're playing, they're making themselves so emotionally open and vulnerable for tens, hundreds, thousands of people on a nightly basis. And it's really hard to gauge what kind of toll that takes on them. I think, especially with music, I actually had a old friend of mine um, commit suicide a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He was a country, um, country musician, amazingly talented dude, playing every weekend, been to Nashville, um, opened up for some amazing acts. And um, he struggled with the facts that he couldn't push that further little bit to be the big star. And when it comes to these, these big stars that are so successful, it's kind of like, this is fame. This is everything I've been working for. This is my, what my whole life is about. And I'm still not happy. Um, that's why I think it's important for me 
especially to have my music world, but also have my outside things and finding a balance between that. It's like, you know, it's 2 a.m. or 2, 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Got the day off of work. I know nobody can come to the beach with me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go to the beach by myself for that hour because I've got some time because I know being by the ocean just brings me this little bit of peace. Yeah. Um, and balancing out the stress with the calm to find a happy medium. But that doesn't work for everyone, you know? Mm. Like, everybody has different chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> going on in their mind and i think that's why it's such a hard thing to grasp because what works for you doesn't work for me doesn't work for a third person but somebody gets a taste of like alcohol and they realize oh hey i'm feeling bad i drink this whiskey and i feel great and so anytime they start feeling sad like they start building this dependency on some sort of substance and then before you know it it's out of control and they're accidentally ODing on heroin because it they were just in that really bad place so. <sighs> yeah it's that it's a really hard topic mm-hmm. um and i don't know if i can comment on it yeah too far because i personally don't deal with mm. that. I, I, well, I love, I love my drink, but I mm. never drink because I'm sad. Yeah. I, I love to go out with friends. Like I'm, you can twist my arm. I'm a sucker for it, but yeah. like I've never depended on any substance to numb anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know people that have, and I know people yeah. that do. And I think, and that's why I just, I brought it up because even even though you you're not dependent on it, you know people that are that are, and I thought maybe we could just have that conversation and make people aware of like, hey, not everybody's the same. Where you may be emotionally, mentally okay, but the person next to you may not be. So like, I, I that's all I really wanted to get to. Yeah, and it's always good to just always be aware mm. that the okay aren't always okay. Yeah. You never know who to check in with and when to check in and how many times. Um, you always ask your friends mm-hmm. if they're okay. Ask them if they're okay, you know? <laughs> like, and do it very truthfully and honestly. Like, just be like, hey, no, I'm serious. How are you? Because... I know like even with my friends, if I ask them how they're doing, they'll give me some ridiculous response because they think I'm messing with them. And it's like, no, I'm serious. How are you? You know, so, you know, and it's just, it leaves it up to you to be the serious one and be like, no, really, how are you? And hopefully they take it seriously and you're able to get an honest answer. Sometimes you don't realize either like, if you need a vent, mm-hmm. you just kind of build up all these emotions and all these like ideas in your head. And it finally comes to somebody being like, what's going on? I noticed something's different mm-hmm. with you. You may not be acting like it, yep. but 
something's changed. Let's talk about it. Yep. And all of a sudden a whole mess comes onto the table, but yeah. it's, it's what they might've needed, might not have known they needed, but they yeah. needed it. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to, um, we've been talking a lot about your mute, your music, dirty spells, um, and what you guys have done in the past, what do you see yourself in the future? What's like the five-year plan? Where, where do you want to go? Where do you want to take this? What, what's in the immediate future? You know, stuff of that nature. I think we would love to be signed by a record label. I would love to just go through that experience. Um, I would love to be playing sold-out shows, shows for like, you know, I think the ultimate goal is to be selling a ticketed like sixty dollar mm-hmm. show where it's sold out yep. and um people are there for us yeah. you know um mm-hmm. and having having the crowd sing your songs with you and um just feeding off that like I think that's kind of what everybody wants as musicians i I don't as- well not to say I don't aspire like I don't expect to end up like Beyonce or like Mm. Ed Sheeran kind of thing, One Direction, those huge names that are selling for $250 for a general admission nosebleed ticket. But having an actual fan base that keeps you driven to writing and putting new music out there rather than just like being like, hey guys, I just put out a new song. Like, hustling people to even have a listen. Like I have Mm. good friends of mine that, you know, I put out my, our first Dirty Spells single last September Mm -hmm. and they haven't even listened to it. Oh, wow. And it's like, I see you almost every day. Yeah. And you haven't taken three minutes to listen to a track. Yeah. It comes back down to people don't want to invest in something they don't know, mm. and it's not even it's it's not an even investing. Not really, it's, yeah. you already have the Spotify account. It's investing yeah. those three minutes. It's like yeah. it's they insane. literally just don't care that much. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's taking that three minutes on your walk to work, your drive to work, the walk from the from the store or whatever. Like you have the time available and it's only three minutes so i i totally understand where you're coming from um yeah it's a a little frustrating but yeah and i don't think they realize how big of an impact that three minutes makes you know Mm -hmm. because if all three thousand of my facebook friends took that Mm -hmm. three minutes on spotify that just makes us look like We've got 3,000 more streams. So somebody else new comes to go listen to our music. And instead of having that under 1,000, it's like, oh, they've got like an actual counting number of streams, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because isn't isn't Spotify, if you have like less than 1,000, it doesn't even really register? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I've, I only know, know the back end analytics of the podcast because that's who we go through as one of the distributors, and so I didn't know how it worked on the music end. So it's that's that's interesting. Um, 
I'm going to ask you a question that's going to be very vague, and I'm going to let you just kind of take it where you want to take it. Um, what's that? <laughs> You're going to regret this. No, it, I'm not because I'm going to get. I I have a feeling I'm going to get a very good answer from you. But why music? Why music? Um, I guess it's always been there for me. You know, and it's, it, for me, it's something that's come naturally. My dad was a, um, my dad is a musician. He's one of those guys that can pick up any instrument and just play it and play it like he's played it for years kind of thing. Um, and I guess I kind of grew up in that emo phase, like growing up, my favorite band um, was My Chemical Romance. Mm -hmm like Die Hard. They're coming to Sydney March 21st oh. um, playing Download Festival and I've got my shirt from 2005 like ready to go. Nice. Um, and, and those songs like even like I was in grade five listening to those songs but my little emo heart is just like hurting for those songs and I think music hits everybody in different ways. Um, so then you start writing music because it just came naturally to just you know you've got an instrument you've got a voice write a song um and then you play those songs and people come back to you and just like wow that song like is exactly what i needed to hear right now like i'm going through this and it, it may not have been what i wrote the song about but the fact that it came back to somebody else and affected them. And it's just like, it, it's also a way of, of venting myself. You know, I've had um, a breakup or I've had a friend pass away and right away I'm like on the piano or I'm on a, the guitar, partially crying <laughs> mm -hmm. and writing out some lyrics and stuff. And in seven years, it may not mean anything to me, but at the time it meant the world to me and it might mean the world to somebody else. And the cycle continues. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just, I'm sure you get the same answer from a lot of people, but it's in it, it's an escape. Yeah. You can be whoever you want to be in your songs. You can mm -hmm. say whatever you want to say in your songs, something yeah. that you may not say to somebody's face. Yeah. Something um, that you want to say to somebody, but like, <laughs> yeah. Code. yeah. Uh, you touched on something that was very interesting about how you write something and seven months into the future, it may not mean anything or may not may, may not mean the same thing to you. Uh, we were talking, I was talking to a musician, not last night, but uh, Tuesday night. Um, and she had mentioned at one point, she had taken a lot of her early music down because it didn't represent who she was anymore until she had a meeting with a a professor or a, I, I think it was like a professor or something. And he pointed out that, no, you need to keep that music up because it's a storybook of your entire career because yeah, this song you wrote when you were 14 doesn't mean the same to you now, but it may mean the same thing to a 14 year old, not somebody who's 14 now. And so, yeah. it, and it's like this overarching, like, 
coloring book of your career. So it's very important to make sure you keep your music out. And so because of that, she um, started re-releasing all of her original or earlier work because she wanted people to see it. I think that comes in two waves. Okay. Especially with trying to identify yourself as an artist. Mm -hmm. Like, what is your artist imagery? And if you know you write an acoustic songs, and then all of a sudden you're into like hip hop, mm -hmm. you know, that your acoustic songs don't necessarily represent your hip hop artistry. Um, so if somebody's trying to build a image, I can understand why they would take down their music. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it, it'd be cool if, you know, 10 years later after they've had some sort of careers, like these are the first songs that I ever wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like super important for people that are just starting out. It's like, I may not write the, a, a Tyler, the creator banger, but like I wrote this, but Tyler, the creator wrote this song 10 years ago and it was mm. also kind of shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, um, it, it can be done in many different ways. I, I know a couple of bands and stuff that have, they've released lots. Mm -hmm. They release great songs, but that's just not the genre that they play in anymore. Yeah. And they have people telling them, well, this is not what you're portraying, so you should take that down because we're doing this now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get that aspect of it as well. Um, you'd also mentioned that you are a huge My Chemical Romance fan. Yes. How, how have they influenced your musical style? Oh. Um, or oh, if I they have at all. Yeah, they definitely have. Um, I think that really influenced the genre that I kind of dug myself into, like those 2000s, um, Panic at the Disco, Hawthorne Heights, My Chemical Romance, um, and then coming into like Warp Tour days, mm -hmm. um, like the Pierce the Veil, Sleeping with Signs, that like kind of I don't want to say whiny, but like very strong, emotional, male-fronted mm. vocal. Yeah. Um, and that just all bleeds into your inspiration. Yeah. And I, I love those big powerhouse um, stadium emo songs. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they've just kind of stuck with me over the years. Like even um, now we're writing this song um, called stay close and um the second verse there's this one part of it and after i wrote it, i was like oh my god that is so like pretty much my chemical romance from the black parade kind of vibes mm -hmm. um but it's cool because your music shouldn't be what everybody else is putting out right now yeah i i think and, and you know what good on every musician out there that's putting out music and is getting successful and just getting on the Spotify playlists and whatnot. But I get bored when I'm listening to uh, Australia's Hottest Hits playlist and you hear one artist and then you hear the next and you hear another artist and you're like, this all sounds the same. And then it's something as simple as 
um, something like The Shallows, mm -hmm. you know, when they did that, like, it's kind of rare to have just an acoustic type song mm -hmm. um, make it into the top 40 pop charts, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so those, those special random songs I, I really enjoy because there's something new. It's not the same. I, I find a lot of people have that typical um, EDM vocal. They have that typical, they want to sing like Ariana Grande, they want to yeah. be like, who's big now? Yeah, they have a very heavy auto-tune type of voice. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming down to how accessible making music is now. Mm -hmm. Anybody in their own house for what really under 500 bucks? Yep. No, maybe not 500 bucks, but like, you know, you can make an album on GarageBand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hell, for my demos, I will track my vocals on GarageBand just so I can put like a 30% um, pitch correction on it, yeah. you know? My Ableton doesn't have the greatest pitch correction yeah. um, plug-in on it, so I'm just like, I'll just use the GarageBand one. But like, you can you can do cool things with so little, and you don't need a three thousand dollar microphone. You can yeah. use a ninety nine dollar microphone, and yep. um, and people don't understand or don't know that the industry standard microphone is a Shure SM58, and it costs on sale $89 depending on where in you're America. getting yeah in America depending on where or uh, but still it's like it's been the industry standard for who knows how long since the 70s I think yeah and you know but you got all these musicians that are out buying the blue mics and these thousand dollar mics and it's like is it really making you that much better or is it, it just broke, don't fix it yeah you know um and it's the same thing too if you can't play guitar whether you have a 50 dollar guitar or a seven thousand dollar guitar mm -hmm. it's not gonna make you any better yeah <laughs> um very true yeah um but yeah music is just it's so accessible and it's so there's so much of it now it's mm -hmm. not like to release in the past to release a record it was thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and you had to go and pay for every hour in the studio and mm -hmm. um you would essentially have to be signed by a label to release something yep. because then you have to print copies and sell it and ship it and get it yep. everywhere now it's like 29 dollars. you can go on uh like distro kid or mm -hmm. like cd baby and maybe not cd baby it's actually probably one of the more expensive options for distribution mm -hmm. but you've got unlimited releases for yeah. the year yeah um so or, everybody on spotify yeah it doesn't have to be i mean it has to be the industry standard of loudness yeah it has to be the industry standard of like the file but um in terms of putting it out there it doesn't even have to be a great recording yeah i mean it's going to sound kind of like shit compared to a professionally studio mastered and mixed recording but you're still on Spotify and people are like, Oh my God, wow. You're on Spotify. You've yeah. made it. Yeah. And I mean, even on the cheaper level, you see all these rappers that are uploading to SoundCloud and SoundCloud's like free for the first 
what is it like gig of data you upload or 100 megabytes i don't remember exactly what it is but you know they're making it big by loading one song to soundcloud and it just grabs the right person's attention cost them whatever whatever they paid for their microphone yeah so but there's nothing wrong with that i just i really (laughs) appreciate um difference in Mm -hmm. music yeah i'm open to listening to like any kind of music i definitely prefer some over others yeah but i like when i listen to something i'm like wow that's cool that's new or like i really like we've done with that and it's like oh that sounds like the last chain smokers song or that sounds like this person's song that they just put out like there's it's what everyone's doing right now Mm -hmm. and i I don't want to get it confused like i don't have anything against musicians that are making it that way like there's definitely a skill set you still have to have like you still have to be able to get close to singing in key or else it's still going to sound where you're going to still have to be able to be on beat and you know like there, there's still a level of skill set you have to have to You'd be very surprised you know. there i've heard some very unmixed tracks uh, that are, it's just like incredible what a great engineer and like mix engineer can do with tuning melodyne like a raw performance is one thing that's Mm -hmm. amazing and you can hear that in a track but like man some of these like ridiculously auto-tune i would be shocked to see if those people can actually sing and i know people that cannot sing that have tracks out there yeah well i guess i i guess i uh I'm unaware of that. That's, but I mean, still like the ability to write within an, in and of itself is still a skill set you have to have. Yeah. I think the thing that honestly drives me the most, and again, I'm like completely stoked for anyone that's doing well in music because it takes commitment and dedication to being a presence in music in Mm -hmm. any way. But it shocks me that people don't write their own songs. Yeah. That yeah. drives me nuts. Yeah. Because so many people can sing. Yeah. You know? But if you're just getting handed pieces, unless you have like such a unique, a unique like voice or something, like unless you're writing the songs it's just you're essentially singing a cover mm-hmm. of somebody else's song under your name like i don't know i just that, that just drives yeah. me nuts yeah no and and i've heard of a few musicians that have gotten offers to go work with the label as a writer to write other people's music and they've passed it because they're like, no, I mean, if I'm going to write a song, I want to sing it because it means something to me, not that person. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely understand that standpoint. And originally, I didn't understand it because, like, this was back when I first really started doing the whole live and amplified thing. 
I had very little experience in the music industry. My buddy was a sound engineer and I, we'd gone to like live shows and we'd done some like freelance work with um, him doing the audio mixing and then me just doing like live performance videos for their EPK or whatever. And so I had very little knowledge of how the actual industry worked. And I never understood, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It's like, well, somebody's paying you for your music. Why, why would you pass on it? But then as I've talked to musicians and I start to realize, oh, hey, it means more to me than just money. That, that's really where I've started to connect the dots. And I've started to be like, okay, no, I get it. And I will shut up now because money isn't everything. Sometimes the meaning is more precious. Well, it's like something as simple as in grade 11, I had like this sort of um, tech or portfolio class. And um, I did this picture and it was for an album cover. You just had to design an album cover. And um, I'd probably spent about 30 hours making this kind of um, hypnotizing eye. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the eye, it was like a galaxy um, that was kind of inspired by the Ellie Golding song, Starry Eyes. Um, how typical, right? I had this photo on display in the school and one of the teachers actually asked me if I wanted to sell it to them for a hundred dollars. And I was like, no, because that's, I, I spent like 30 hours working on it. That's like my baby. Like I'm so proud that I made this thing. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to just sell it for a hundred dollars, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the same thing with songs and especially for the fact that I can sing mm -hmm. and I can play the song. Some people are just born songwriters and they don't have a single vocal chord in their body kind of mm -hmm. thing. Like, yeah. and that I understand um, to be a songwriter, but man, just like, I don't really know unless it's like a group effort, like, here's a band, like, here's a song that's going to sell for you kind of thing, but mm. you should be doing at least some of the work. Yeah. Um, since we're kind of on the topic, uh, how I know, like, in Nashville and in other places in the U.S., doing, like, writer rounds is a huge thing, and doing, uh, like, when we, were, we went to Nashville in January, and we worked with some solo acoustic acts and they're like, uh, we are, I'm going to play this song, but here are the list of all the writers that were on it. It was me. And then they list off like three or four other writers that were on it. Is that something that's also common in us in Sydney or is like, what's. Yeah. So, um, my other project Southbound, the country one, that's very much a project like that. Two of the girls are actually in New York. Uh, they're in New York now. They were just in Nashville, uh -huh. um, just like yesterday or the day before, oh, wow. in a writer's session. Nice. Um, where they're just, and it's funny because they're <laughs> actually with a bunch of uh, other Australians. Oh. In Nashville, 
And it's like you literally traveled to the other side of the world to write in the same room as a bunch of people that live like a couple of suburbs away from you kind of yeah. thing, yeah. which is a little funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess like when going back to being in the studio and being open to your songs changing is it's all about collaboration, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think it's super important to be a part of that process. And it's like, you start writing something, it's like, this would be a, a great dirty spell song, or this would be a great, um, you know, we're sitting in a room with seven different artists, seven different projects. It's like, oh, this song would be great for this act. And this yeah. song would be great for this. And you guys kind of all vibe and make this thing, but it's like, at least you were there for the process rather than just being handed something. Yeah, very true. It's um, like getting the gold medal, but not running the race. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. yeah, I understand that. That's, um, as we kind of start wrapping up the podcast, what's one thing you want people to know about your, about your music? What's something that like something we haven't discussed? What's one thing you want people to know? Oh, um, I don't I don't know it's one thing we want people to know. Um, mainly that we're actually really cool people. <laughs> um, really nice, like, I, a lot of our songs, like, we come off pretty edgy on stage um, and out and about kind of thing, but we are, like, very much people. Mm -hmm. um, we played this one gig, I remember. I won't name any bands, but I wouldn't say they're a successful band. They're, they're more successful than us. But they walked around that whole day like they were the top shit. Mm -hmm. And that really just irked me. Mm -hmm. um, and I've heard things about other like big artists that, you know, somebody else in the industry will like say hi to them and just like they'll just snuff them off because it's like I'm this person I'm too big for you and it's mm -hmm. like you know I I never want anybody to feel music is all about being inclusive for us and being a unit and together with not only the band but everybody in the room and it's like we always would want people to feel like they can come up and say hey that was a great set I love the song I really felt this like um and you know be able to sit on a couch and have a conversation rather than being like oh my god like yeah. that's this person like um yeah i don't i don't even know if that exactly answers no that, that was absolutely perfect because you know and like even i've been to shows where a band gives off a certain persona on stage and then when i go back to meet them to introduce myself and let them know who i am and what why I'm there I get intimidated myself because it's like well it's this big doom heavy metal band and they were just talking about death and destruction and mayhem and they're these big scary dudes and I it like initially I'm intimidated to go talk to them and then I realize oh this dude's a big teddy bear like yeah and I think that's so much warmer than like having somebody be like oh like you know, they were over in that room and like they 
looked like they didn't want to be involved, like mm -hmm. kind of thing. They were on stage, they were great on stage, but off the stage, they just didn't give a damn, yeah. like, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so one final question I want to ask, and I'm sure you get this question all the time, but where does the name uh, Dirty Spells come from? How did you guys come up with that name? I think Alex heard it on a podcast. Um, we had kind of gone through a bunch of band names when we were thinking of what to choose. And, um, yeah, we must've had like a list of like 25 names. They were like, nah, that one's kind of cool. Sit on that. No. And then Dirty Spells kind of came up and there's actually a band in Vancouver, I think, with mm. the same name. Yeah. But, um, We'll just see how it plays out. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really funny because they actually messaged or put a post on our Facebook page months, months, months ago. Yeah. And um, they commented, there can only be one. Nice. And so the, uh, I think we're like challenge accepted or something. So. Yeah. That's funny. Hey, I mean, as long as it is, as long as it stays fun, you know, Go with it, you know, as, as long as it doesn't become like something serious and you guys are able to have fun with it, you know, no. just between yeah. the, yeah. There won't uh, be any like boards thrown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so where can people find you online uh, for the band, upcoming tour dates, support your music, all that fun stuff? Um, everything under Dirty Spells Band. So Facebook, Instagram, um, Spotify, Dirty spells, you'll find us. We're always gonna be like pink. Okay. Like like pink, purple, and blue hues with the neon writing. Yeah. Um uh, and shows, upcoming shows. We've got one show in March, March eleventh coming up in Grinnell and Sydney. And then we are going a little undercover for a month in a bit to rebuild our show. Mm-hmm. We're going to be introducing some very new things. I'm going to be hopping off the base. Oh, nice. I'm going to be working more with the um, Ableton and live triggers um, on the pads and synths and whatnot while um, singing. And Alex is going to hop on the bass, and it's going to be a completely different show. Awesome. That's always good so, to kind yeah. of refresh it and stuff. Yeah, with our new songs as well. So that's very exciting and yeah. nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, what, where are you guys most active on social media? Like if somebody wanted to reach out, are you more active Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Instagram. Instagram? And we are hilarious on Instagram. Nice. I like to think so. I, I don't do the posts mm -hmm. um, for our Instagram. It's really funny Um message me the other day because Al Alex writes the Instagrams. Uh -huh. It said, I just posted this so the grid would work, but how cute, look how cute Sarah is. And he's just like, when she calls herself cute. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even do the posts. But um, there, there's some really funny ones in there. Nice. Cool. Cheeky, uh, cheeky captions. And on Instagram, it's Dirty Spells Band, right? Or yes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So we'll be posting a bunch more stuff on our Instagram. We've got some Instagram TV posts. Uh, well, just one right now. We did a, actually, when we recorded our first um, music video, Zetland, which mm -hmm. is actually where I live in Sydney. Yeah. Um, we did a interview after that just to talk about the band and whatnot. That's available on YouTube and mm -hmm. Instagram 
video. So that's up there. We'll also have an acoustic cover of Zetland up there soon. Uh, we're going to have a live off the floor of our new song up soon. Nice. So lots, uh, lots to be up and going. And how long ago did you do the uh, music, view, music video for Zetland? That was probably back in September. Okay. And yeah. what, was, what was that whole process like? We just did a kind of a live off the floor in the our jam hall actually, um, couple playthroughs, lots of really up close singing, um, hair flicks. That's my yeah. my thing. My hair just always gets right in my face when I yeah. sing. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's it looks good. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amateur, but it looks good. Um, and then we did a second video. I went out with my friend, um, Justin, um, and he, he's got like this really awesome drone. So we went out in Manly, the song's called Coast and, um, I chopped up this, all this beautiful coastal footage for a lyric video that I did up. So that's on YouTube as well. Um, and then we're hoping to record a music video for Outside In, which is our third single, but nothing's been locked in yet. Gotcha, gotcha, perfect. Well, I wanna thank you so much for giving me the time to sit down and chat with you. It's been really awesome. You know, I tell everybody I get really nervous, especially doing like the web conference because it's like, I've had this stance against it for so long because it doesn't feel as personal. Yeah. But you know, as I do them more, it's like, it's really not that bad. Like, it's it flows. Yeah. It flows by the end of it, especially like this morning, I went to work at five in the morning. Yeah. And I finished at two. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I got home and I'm like trying to set up this, this um, web chat. Yeah. And people are like, what are you doing this afternoon? And I was like, oh, I've got this, this um, web, like interview. interview thing. And they're like, oh, and I was like, with America. <laughs> That's yeah, but no, it's super cool. It actually was way cruisier than I assumed. <laughs> yeah, and that, like, because, you know, it's, I mean, we've had a couple of conversations prior to this, so it wasn't like I was coming in completely cold, but, you know, it's just, you, you, without that first initial face-to-face -face conversation, it, you never know how it's going to go. Yeah. So, and I, I really appreciate and love the fact that everything's gone so well and i want to thank you so much for making it easy to do all this um <laughs> making the conversation fly by like we it's almost been an hour and a half and it you know it's getting to be 11 o'clock at night over here and it's like oh i gotta be up at work at seven o'clock but i don't care like let's let's keep rolling you know um so i, I really want to thank you for that like it, it's been an awesome conversation and i uh can't wait like we really want to come over to Sydney and just do like Australia, find like a month, get the crew out there and just kind of do the Australia thing. Like it's, it, it's one of those things where it's like, we, we kind of have the inner battle between myself and Jeff. He's my audio engineer. He really wants to go to the UK. I really want to go to Australia. So it's like, all right, let's figure out, which one to do first and we kind of have a battle like every year it's like okay where are we trying to go this year and each year it's never panned out for either one of us so hopefully soon 
we'll make it out to Sydney and just get to work with all these bands that we've started building relationships with. And you're just going to have to roll the dice on it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you let us know if you're ever here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and like, even nowadays, the flights aren't too terribly expensive as they like before. Like, I think at one point I saw, we could have gotten out there for under 3000, like the crew, like, I mean, uh, they, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. And like, if we're going to be out there for a month, it's like, I mean, we could make a month work, you know? Exactly. That's like, it's, it's a holiday too. Yeah. Like you'll spend that on a holiday and like, I'm sure people will help you out on the way. And once you're here, like you can get by pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which is like what I don't think people really take into consideration. Mm -hmm. um, like all they see is the flight price and they're like, nope, because yep. I can fly to Mexico or Dominican yep. for like three hundred dollars, yeah. or I can fly to Australia for a thousand. Like, and and I mean, luckily for me, like my fascinate my fascination with Australia started when I was in like fifth grade. My fifth grade teacher over Christmas break went on vacation to Australia, and she came back with like the coolest pictures and just like the coolest stories. And ever since then, it's like one of those days, one of these days, I'm going to get myself there. Not saying yep. that we're going to have the same experiences, but it's like she set it up, you know. It's really funny because Australia was never on my list. Really? Ever. Like, I'm like, I'm never going to Australia. They got big spiders. They got crocs. They got yeah. snakes. And I just ain't going kind of thing. And somehow now I'm, I'm living here. Yeah. It's funny how the world works out, but mm -hmm. I hope you make it down. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely like what it, it's totally different than what you'd expect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but once again, I want to thank you so much. Um, been a great conversation and I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. I hope you guys got something out of it. Um, so with that being said, I want to thank you all and I hope everybody has a good night.